as Che Rollins. Uh, some of you may know me as Andrew Nunez, depending on when you've met me. Some of you know me from Twitter, Facebook, high school, stand-up, uh, anything. But, um, what's good? Unless I'm going to call this. I've had many a podcast, been on many a podcast for the past, like, eight years. And I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of people. And, uh, this is my show. This is the first episode. Uh, so it's just going to be me doing short episodes. I think probably the longest I'll go is like probably like 20 minutes, maybe, if I have a lot to talk about. And this one might be one of the longer ones. But, uh, Hello, how's everyone? So the reason I wanted to do this is I think because I was listening to my dad's podcast. Some people know him as the Dave Dog. Uh, uh, David Nunez, he's got a podcast, shout out, uh, Mindless Digital. And him and my stepmother, Celine, were talking about what they're grateful for. And my brother, Julian, was on there too, like... Just talking about, like, they were talking, well, first one was, like, what they're grateful for, because it was right after, like, I don't remember, was it after Thanksgiving? I don't remember. But, um, it was, and they mentioned a lot of things, and, you know, and it got me thinking a lot. Um... And then the next one where they had my brother on and they talked. And my brother, shout out to my brother Julian, my younger brother. He's actually really good on the mic and really good. I mean, me and him have great conversations. Like sometimes when I'm in town, like we'll just go out and have like lunch or something. And we'll sit there and talk. Like sometimes like I'll just go bother him. Like he'll just wake up in the afternoon. And I'll just like go sit in his room and we'll talk. And I'll think it's going to be a five minute conversation. And then the next thing I know, two, two hours have gone by. Like, he's actually, he, he may come off to many people as, like, quiet, but that's just because he's always processing things. He likes to take it all in, and uh, it's nice to I hear him actually vocalize things. Anyway, so, like many people, this year has been a, I, won't, I don't want to, well, the parts of it were rough. Sorry, I'm outside, smoking a stove. That'll be the wind you can hear out in the background. But, um, it's been rough. I mean, 2020 started off as I was hit so hard with some shit. And I'm, I'll get into that in a little bit. And all of that is going to tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing here. Um, and then... It, I think I ended 2020 on a pretty good note. I have way better sense of self. I'm a lot more, I think, grounded and a lot more uh, conscientious of things. I was put to the test a lot. And um, there were some really low points. Really hard, like, really, like, almost as low as I could have ever ever gotten. And then there's been a lot of growing and a lot of introspection and looking back and being like, wow, like, I can't believe this is where I'm at, but not in a bad way, in like a good way. Because if you've heard me on other podcasts, especially like that other sports show, or when my dad and I had just guy talk, or, you know, like, 
I was kind of known, or like if you ever followed me on Twitter from years back, like, I was kind of like just an asshole troll, and I like to just get under people's skin and just say outlandish shit, you know, not for the sake of, I'll say I've never said something just for the sake of being controversial, I just happen to have quote-unquote controversial opinions, and I don't mind voicing them. Now, I'm like, man, years ago, I used to just be on Facebook and Twitter just arguing with people all the time, just arguing, like, and then I'd be like, my ex-wife would be like, why are you do? why do you care? And it's easy for her to think, like, I'm like, well, I mean, I, I have to do this. They replied, so I have to reply back. I can't, I can't, like... And now I'm to the point where, like, yeah, you're right, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, who cares? And that's a, another thing. One of the first things that I'm happy to... Sorry, my cigarette went out. One of the few things that I'm really proud of myself at that... I've been able to take myself, and not just online, like, I don't waste my time anymore on stupid arguments, you know, um, I, I don't like wasting energy anymore, I don't like wasting energy on, um, stuff that's gonna get me nowhere, like, why, why, why go tooth and nail on, uh, and some stupid argument, like, it, what, what is it? What am I gaining? You know? Because um, even if you win, you get like a split second of satisfaction. Like, ha, they stopped. And then, like, that's it. Like, that's, that's, that's the payoff. What's the payoff? You know? So, yeah. Anyway, going back to the beginning of 2020, um... I guess the real story starts in 2019 when I, you know, you know, I'm divorced. I have two young daughters. They are five and six right now. And they are the single most important thing in my life. The only reason why I survived 2020 was just, just for them, honestly. Um, and for other reasons, but mostly they were the biggest motivation to, to do anything ever. Like, there were some days where I was like, I, I just I don't have it in me to do anything. And they were thinking about them was, even when I, where they weren't with me, you know, was just like, I have to see them again. You know? Anyway, so back in 2019, I was looking for a job. And this place, this uh, restaurant opened up out here in El Campo, Texas that was... Hiring for servers and cooks because they were at the time only doing lunch service and they were going to start doing dinner service and they were going to start doing, uh, they're going to be doing a lot of like French food, Italian food, like, you know, kind of, uh, American, new American fusion, as they call it. They had an actual chef. Now, I applied as a cook and as a server. I was kind of hoping on the server thing because I had never, as much as I love to cook at home, as much as my father is, you know, my dad's a badass cook, 
my uncle's been cooking in restaurants for shit like 30 years or something. My younger brothers worked in restaurants. I didn't realize like excuse me how much food and the service industry was kind of like in my blood um and I interviewed and they didn't interview me for a server they interviewed me for a cook and this was January 2019 and I was like kind of intimidated because they had an actual chef and this guy was like he came in with a North Face t-shirt on and like he was like big and burly and he had tattoos but like he was he looked like if Anthony Bourdain was a football coach like he had that kind of like that kind of football coach mentality like he reminded me of Robert Patrick in the faculty if you've ever seen the faculty he was very abrasive and in your face right away he was wearing like cargo shorts a North Face t-shirt a bandana on his head and like uh what are they with um like those clogs type of shoes and he came in and he was, I was, he was like, what kind of experience do you have? He's like, well, I cook at home a lot, blah, 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 blah. And I told him I didn't really have any experience. And I don't know what it was, but he, uh, he took a chance on me and was like, all right, be here tomorrow at 8 a.m. If you suck, I'll tell you you suck. I'll pay you for the day. You can get your shit and leave. If you, if I see something in you, if I see potential, then uh, I'll keep you on. And me, like I said, never had work in, in as a cook, let alone in a restaurant that was very, very busy during lunchtime. It was, it was like, what the fuck? Like I was, I was thrown to the wolves. Well, there's my neighbor. Um, I was kind of thrown to the wolves, and it's what's known in the in the industry is called a stage, which is just like. French for stage, I guess, just audition, whatever the fuck, and I remember I was working with the other line cook for lunch, um, somebody who I actually went to school with, I'd known him for years, we're the same age, same grade, everything, I hadn't seen him in about 20 years, or 15 years, whatever, and, uh, uh, I got through it. I was surprised. We got busy. I learned a lot. Um, I was on the flat top grill. Never worked on a flat top grill before. I was doing saute stuff. I was learning how they did their everything. I just learned everything within from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. that day. 2 p.m. is when they close. They open, they're open from 11 to 2. And 8 a.m. to 11 is all prep. I remember the first thing they had me do was like bread chicken tenders and it's not one of those places where they get frozen chicken tenders from their vendor like they get the chicken tenders and then we have to um we had to uh kind of trim them off trim off the little fat and the gristle off of them and then we we batter them ourselves you know we, we, we had to marinate them then batter them the next day so that morning i was battering them and then you know just little things like helping with the soup and all this other kinds of shit that I'd never really done before. Cause my, my, my experience cooking at home was not like I could make a meal, but I, I was very limited in what I'd done. I had done, I can do like Mexican comfort stuff. Like I can do steak. 
I mean, I couldn't do steak the way I can do steak now, but you know, I could, I could make a steak and you'd be like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Now I can make you a steak and, I mean, knock your fucking socks off. And that's not bullshit. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I can do that now. Um, so anyway, after service, lunch service, um, chef goes, come on in here. Let's go talk about your future. And we sat down in his office and he's like, you're hired. I was like, really? Cause I, I didn't think I sucked, but I didn't think I did particularly great. I, like, I didn't think I, my performance was something that knocked somebody's socks off. You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't think that I walked in and he was like, wow, this guy, I gotta hire this guy. But I, I guess he saw something in me. Um, my willingness to learn and my willingness to work, um, which, and honestly, like looking back now, being able to be taught coachability and like uh, hardworking attitude and being able to be taught will get you far, farther. The way I've learned in life will get you farther in any, in any job or, or in almost anything than having all the talent in the world. Cause you can have all the talent in the world, and if you you can't work with people, then they don't want to fucking work with you. You know what I mean? Because uh, from what I've heard, way more talented uh, people have came in for that job more than me, and I was the one who got it. Anyway, so they hire me. They hire another line cook, a kid named Kyle, becomes one of my best friends immediately. Um, we hit it off immediately. We start assembling my dinner kitchen crew and bunch of young kids are like 18 19 20 and you know I was 29 at the time and I felt like the big brother to these guys and they all were kind of look looking to me and it it felt I felt it, the dynamic fell in right away and then within a couple of months we were a well-oiled machine you know we still faltered here and there sometimes you know there was a big demand with like, oh, this has to be out on this time. This has to be do this. You have to do that. You have to do this a certain way. I mean, god damn, this dude's a dickhead. This dude's a fucking dickhead. Wow. Anyway. Um, my chef was very demanding. There were days where like, like in the beginning, I couldn't even get my grill marks right. Like I, uh, you know, when you have like those diamond grill marks on a steak... I would forget which side I laid it on, and then I would just like double grill mark it on one side, and he would be so bad. He's like, I'm gonna start fucking hitting you. I swear to God, please get it right. Anyway, so he was like, uh, he was, but he was, he did it from like a, it didn't, he wasn't being mean for the sake of being mean. Like, and that's why whenever I watch like Gordon Ramsay saying things to people, it's like, he's not being mean for the sake of being mean. It's like, when you get mad at your kid for doing something like you told him a million times, like, why did you do that? You know better than that. You're better than that. You shouldn't be making this mistake. So when they lose their shit like that, it's not because, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm making excuses for the abuse. Maybe this is a uh, Stockholm syndrome speaking, but most people in the industry kind of understand what I'm talking about. At least cooks. Um, but anyway, I learned a lot and by summertime I had everybody like me and the boys after work, we'd go, we'd party, we'd hang out, we'd go to the movies together. We would take trips to Houston. We would, we were just 
constantly, and I was, there was a good, like, five months of that year where I felt like the fucking king of the world, because, like, I was able to tell people, like, yeah, I cook here, people were coming out to see what we were doing, we were doing stuff in the, um, we're having specials in the town that people had never seen before, and, uh, I mean, there's no place in town where you can get Indian food, so some days we do Indian food for a special, or <clears throat> things like that, like ramen, like real Japanese ramen, nobody had ever done that here, nobody really does that here, it's not a market for it, El Campo, Texas is a, is a, a cheeseburger and Mexican food type of town, there's only one other two, two other places that you can get, like, a decent steak, or, like, any kind of, like, up, upper-scale dining, and we were one of them, we were the new kid on the block, and it felt, I felt like a fucking rock star, I felt like, I felt like I was really making, making it, not really a difference, because, I mean, it's, don't get ahead of yourself, you're just making food, but, I mean, like, a good, like, a good meal and a good atmosphere, that can make your whole fucking night, being, like, I mean, when you think about life, and it's not about the money you made, it's not about the car you drive, like, I mean, I can imagine, you know, you're laying on your deathbed, and what's running through your mind, it's the time, like, you're hanging out with your best friends, and your wife, or their, you know, like, surrounded by people you love, eating good food, talking, having good conversation, having a good time, having, um, you know, just making memories, that's, 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 those are the things that you, you, in a way, can take with you, because they're in your brain and your heart for the rest of your life, <sighs> anyway, um, so, uh, around June, around, uh, fucking summertime, there seems to be tension between the owner and the chef, and then he ends up getting let go. They're like, yeah, at the end of the month, he will be leaving us. If he wants to leave before that, he can. And we're all kind of devastated because he was like, I was like sous chef and he was head chef. And I like, there were times, like I was able to run nights without him. And I mean, I remember the first time he told me I was in charge. They went to another restaurant, another, they went to Greek Brothers. They were like, yo, we're, we're going to go over here. And uh, they're like, he goes, you're in charge, you're in charge of the kitchen. And I was like, holy fuck, they're only gone for an hour. But that hour was like the first time I was like, you're turning the reins over to me? Like, uh, you know, it felt amazing. <sighs> anyway, um, well, you know, Chef uh, was being let go. And now we're like, what are we going to do now? Well, who's going to be the new chef? Chef ends up leaving for the country club um, early, like he had until July. He left two weeks prior and then now we're like well now what so we're all kind of waiting around like who's going to be the new head chef and the you know chef offered me and somebody else another job out there and he tried to poach us and you're like come on come work for me he offered us good money and i was like man that's, i mean yeah let's let's do it i was so close to taking it and then the owner came to me and was like this is your kitchen now he offered me a raise. It wasn't as much as I would be making with Chef, but, you know, it was the money plus the opportunity to kind of do things my own way. They put one of my dishes that I came up with on the menu. Like, 
they he was willing to like be like this can be your ship like go ahead and fucking steer the ship and i was like holy hell and things went good for another six months but then i feel like i did as much as you can expect someone who learned everything so i spent six months learning and then six months leading i mean that's a very popular in-demand restaurant and having the keys to the city after six months of not like completely not knowing anything uh i i feel like i did as best as i possibly could as best as anybody in my position so i don't look at it as a total loss but at the moment it hurt so january 2nd 2020 i walk into work normal day and the owner tells me hey man we're going into 2020 without you and i was so stunned and shocked but it I was stunned and shocked, but I had like a bad feeling. I had like this feeling. And I talked about this with um, my dad on podcasts. It's like I have this kind of like weird intuition. Like something's not right here. You know? And the, the couple weeks prior, he hired a new cook who had more experience than me. And he was like, you know, show him the ropes. So it was presented to me as if he was helping out during the holidays and I was showing him whatever. But in hindsight, he hired this guy to replace me. Now, kind of shitty and underhanded, but, you know, that's the industry. Of course, I took it personally in the beginning because it was my first big job. So for like two days, I didn't get out of bed. I felt like absolute garbage. I felt like such a failure. Mm-hmm. I felt terrible. And then I got a job at a country club in League City. Worked there for a little bit. Then I got another job, then another job. Then COVID hit. Everything shut down. I was out of work for most of the summer. And then in October, two days before my birthday, my birthday was on a Sunday. This was on a Friday night. I went out to watch a uh, Astros game and I run to this guy he's a cook over at my old restaurant's main competition this place has been there for 35 years it's 1985 it's, it's the one place everybody's like oh that's expensive that's kind of high dollar that's that's the spot the place that's always packed even through COVID like the, the amount as packed as you can be through COVID that's they were always pushing maximum capacity as far as they, as much as they were allowed to, excuse me, and I know in the beginning, this is just me talking a lot about myself, we're going to get to some more shit here in a bit, alright, cigarette is lit, let's continue, so, um, I meet up with him. I'd met him a couple of times. He's a Cowboys fan like me. He's a boxing fan like me. And he's having a beer with his wife. And I was like, yo, what's what's going on? What's going on over there? He was like, yeah, man, we're fucking busy. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You need any help? And he was like, you looking? Because he knew that I had worked at the other place. He didn't know that I was no longer working there. So he knew that I had some experience. And he was like, immediately like dude 
show up to the restaurant tomorrow, 3 p.m., we'll try out. Just, just the same way that chef told me. This guy was the equivalent of their head chef, their kitchen manager, whatever. Right? So, I walk in, immediately, completely different system. So, it's this guy running the grill. We got another dude on the sh on the fryer. We got someone else on saute. Me, I'm running. So I'm I'm jumping in wherever I need to jump in. They need more chicken. I go get more chicken. They need this. I need that. Like I'm the low guy on a totem pole, and I needed that. I needed to be humbled because towards the end I developed this thing where where I was used to like getting our regulars and people would be like, oh, I know the chef, and people were calling me chef, even though I mean I never went to culinary school. And I, I was getting a big head, and I needed that. I needed that fall from grace for me to realize that I may have learned everything there is to know here, but I didn't know everything there is to know. And it's always good to be reminded of what you don't know and not be offended by it. Now, me, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have the mental or, like, emotional maturity to kind of deal with that. I would probably be like, I'm not going to go be the, I was a head chef. I was in charge. I, I did inventory. I made specials. I was the one who, I cut steaks from, from nothing. I did this. Like I made everything from scratch and you're expecting me to come here and be the low guy in the totem pole? No, like I was ready. And it took though that summer of being, um, humbled and being just neat, just wishing I had the kitchen to work in. I needed that, and now I'm happier than ever. The guys, we're a team. We, I've done events and dinner services where like, oh, that wasn't that bad, and it was way, way crazier than anything I ever did uh, at the other place. And I've, I really, truly learned what it was like to be what Anthony Bourdain calls a gunslinger. A good friend of mine, shout out Justin Von Doom, he gifted me the uh, Kitchen Confidential, the Anthony Bourdain book that put him on the map. And in the very beginning, he's like, I mean, cooks, chefs, what do you want to be? There's those artists who are like, you know, very smug and they think they have to do this a certain way, blah, 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 blah. And then there's gunslingers. A gunslinger can, it doesn't matter where he's from, doesn't matter what he's doing, he knows the tricks of the trade. And uh, he's like a pirate. And that's what he says. Like running a good restaurant is like running a good pirate ship. It's a place for misfits. It's a place for people who have nowhere else to go. They can't do it. Not, not that they can't do anything else, but they probably wouldn't be happy doing anything else. And I'll tell you, like I used to work in surgery and I was making five times the money that I'm making now. But the stress, like I, it, I wasn't happy. You know, I was not happy. Like I was not happy with work. I was happy that I was good at my job, but other than the job, like a, a bad, my worst night cooking is better than my easiest and best day in surgery. Um, and I mean that, um, even on days where I don't want to go to work, I'm just tired. I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm not feeling it today. Like it's still way better because at the end of the day, like you, you, you could put me, I could be fucking just feeling like complete garbage. And then you put me in front of a fucking grill. We got the tickets flowing in. In, in 30 minutes, I completely forgot that I was feeling like shit. 
you know, and that's just, that's just the kind of feeling I get, and that's how I feel like I know that that's what I'm supposed to do with my life, um, I've never got that kind of satisfaction with anything, I never knew, for me, I was always like, like back when I was married, and I was working in surgery, I was making good money, you know, we did the, you know, had the, you know, the wife and the kids, and it's like, this is what you're supposed to do, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm providing for my family, I'm doing a thing that I'm just supposed to do, and it's like, wait, like, am I just gonna hate this, I just, just hate my job for the rest of my life, and I get it, like, no disrespect to anybody who just does that, and, you know, some people can separate that, there, there are some people who can just be like, I'm just gonna do this because it makes good money for my family, and then I'll do what I want to do on the off time, but I think everybody's different, like, I, I really can't excel at anything that I don't have my heart in, I really can't, I mean, I, I guess I'm just not wired that way, I don't, I don't understand, like, I just, you know, my family tells me that all the time, like, well, why don't you just be like a welder or something like that, it's like, I don't fucking love welding, you know, my ultimate goal is to, um, open up my own place within the next 10 years, um, in the League City, Clear Lake, that area, you know, my dad, you know, I want him to have a place that he can come and eat and have a drink and then tell people that uh, everything I know he learned from, uh, I learned from him. I want a place where, you know, if my brothers fall on hard times, they can work in my kitchen or wait tables. My younger brother, Tristan, I want a place, you know, he, you know, after school and during the summers, he needs a job, be a host, do this, do that. And he loves talking to people. So my kids, I want a place that that's going to have our name on it. It's a place that, you know, when I'm gone, that place is still going to be there. Leave like a legacy. Like, that's what I want. And I finally know what I want in life. And it's been like, what, you know, it wasn't until I was like 29, 30 that I figured out like, this is, this is what I want. And this is kind of what the podcast is about, is like looking back and being proud of how far you've come, being proud and it's okay to be proud of yourself. You know, I used to like not be okay with that. Like, but now I'm like, you know, just fucking be okay with, be happy. Like, don't get in your head. Don't overthink shit. You know, you're doing what you love. Just fucking do it. You know, have fun. Because, you know, what we've seen now is with COVID, like this, anything can turn. My grandfather, uh, my maternal grandfather, he passed of COVID um, in late August, you know, he lasted three weeks in the hospital. I saw him two days before he went to the hospital and it, it was crazy to see him and then not see him again. Like him never, like knowing, not knowing that's the last time I'm, we're ever going to have a conversation, you know? And I think about it and it motivates me to be like, I'm not going to waste my time doing anything that doesn't fulfill me anymore. And I don't, other people can live their life the way they, they want to, but this is how I'm choosing to do it. And I know that being a father, I have certain responsibilities. Right now, my job is to find a way to do both, to fulfill my responsibilities as well as fulfill myself. Because at the end of the day, like if you're not happy, like, that's going to bleed into your kids. Your kids are going to see that. 
then your kids are going to think, oh, I just have to get a job and I'm just going to hate it for the rest of my life. And like I said, for some people that's okay. But that's not, I want my kids to be able to be like, daddy loves his work. My dad, he loves what he does. And, and my kids, they, they can already see, like, they tell, they tell the people like, yeah, my daddy's a chef. Like, my daddy does this and they'll eat almost anything that I cook. Today we had salad for dinner. They're five and six and they had spring mix. They had cucumbers and, and all these other vegetables and stuff like that. And I was like, I was surprised. But like last week I got them to eat uh, salmon and asparagus. Like I said, they're five and six, you know. And of course every now and then they get a happy meal and um, pizza and, you know, stuff like that. You know, I'm not going to deny them that because I grew up on that shit. But if I can get them to love food the way that I do, because it's, it's almost like a love language, like the movie Chef, which did kind of change my life because I saw it, I would say, right before I became a cook. And it really showed me, like, that's a thing that you can do together. That's a thing that, like, you get to, he, like, he says it. He tells his son, he's like, look, do you like it? Because he's teaching his son how to cook. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I like it. He's like, well, I love it. Everything in my life that is good has come from this. I get to touch people's lives with what I do, and that's how I feel, you know, I'm not some kind of, you know, Michelin star chef, but at the end of the day, I really do, at the end of the day, when I get it, when I walk out of the kitchen, and I sit at the bar, people are like, hey man, that fucking steak was like, even if I didn't cook it, they know that I had something to do with it, and uh, they're like, man, that was good. That, that that makes me happy. That's what fulfills me. Knowing that, you know, there's a couple who hasn't been out in two months and they get to, you know, spend some money, drink some wine, eat some steak, some shrimp, some, you know, whatever the hell they want, and then go home, probably fuck, and, you know, just have a good night. And they remember that I was one of the people that helped make that happen. Anyway, enough about me. Um, I wanted to um, shine a light on the people that I love, and I um, wanted to call this podcast called uh, "What What's Good." Okay, what's good? What's good? What's going good in your life? You know, after this episode, you listen to it, you like it. Tell me, hey, what's good in your life? I'll talk about it. You know, what are you proud of? What good happened? Because, I mean, all you see on TV is just negative shit. And I know for a long time, all I did was post negative bullshit. I mean, I, I once got blocked. I'm, I'm blocked on Twitter from Floyd Mayweather because I just kept, I think it was like four night, four days, four, five days in a row. I just tweeted him to kill himself. Like, that's who I was. I was just like, just talking shit to people for no reason, for no reason, just being nasty and mean, I don't want to do that, I, I never want to be mean to people, it's a lot easier to be nice, it's a lot easier to just tell someone, hey, I like your shirt, or open, hold the door open for somebody, or you see somebody struggling with groceries, give them a hand, like, that kind of shit, I don't necessarily look for it, but whenever it's presented to me, I always take, at least now, I take the opportunity to do it, because I feel like I don't, not necessarily like, it's like me getting, not like repentance or whatever, but like a, 
just me kind of like just passing it along because honestly I would not be where I am without the kindness of other people and the best way to repay that is to be kind to other people and help other people when I can you know now I look at it like if you can help somebody else then do it why not you know um yeah anyway uh like I said I would not be here without the uh without the, the help of other people and uh I'm kind of I'm going to kind of go down the list uh first and foremost is I'm going to start family obviously um I'm going to start with um my parents and um, as many of you know my parents are divorced my actual biological parents are divorced so my parents are divorced um so I think from go from now going on when I say when I f say my parents I'm going to be referring to my father and stepmother because they are together and then I'll just say my mother so um we'll start with my mother because growing up um she had sole custody of me not sole but primary custody um also because this is it's a lot easier to talk about my mother and quicker to talk about my mother than just talk about my father my father it's a whole long thing that is well documented um my mother you know just as much hell as i give her my mother is a very strict catholic woman who you may not agree with what she's saying what she's doing but i mean she means it it comes from a place at least when it comes to her trying to tell me something it comes from a place of her loving me and her trying to do what's best for me i never looking back as an adult you know you always have like so as a teenager you always have anger towards your parents or somebody for this and you're like mom why'd you do that or dad why'd you do that but like now like i look back and i was like you know what like everything she did she she believed that she was right and she believed that it was the right thing to do at the time and i know that like I feel it and I can tell and she's a person where sometimes I'll just text her like mom I love you or whatever she'll always ask me if I'm drunk or something but, um, <laughs> she uh, music has been a big thing with us you know my mother sings in the choir she always loves to hear me. she would always love to hear me play guitar play guitar for like 20 years and she'd just be like oh she play this or play that or whatever she always encouraged me always encouraged me no matter what she was always like very vocal about encouraging me. Like you can do whatever you want. You can always do whatever you set your mind to. And um, she was very um, you know, uh, she just kind of always had my back even against her better judgment. You know, we've we've had so many fights. I've gone months without talking to her. But she's my mom, and at the end of the day, I love her, she loves me, and she knows the way I look at life is a lot different than the way that she looks at life, and vice versa. I think as long as we um, 
trying to keep things, uh, as long as we talk and laugh and stuff, you know, like once a week I go over there and we have dinner, I do some laundry, we hang out, I watch a movie, I, I, I'm very good at like, <clears throat> I'm very good at like, I'll find a movie that I know she's going to like and we'll watch it together and she's like, oh, thank you, that's very, like, you know, it's, I know what she'll like and, uh, anything nostalgic or, you know, something like that and it's, it's also fun to watch something that I watched with my mom and watch rewatch that with my mother and then my kids that's fun you know that's a fun thing to do and, and it, like nights like that that really helped 2020 go along for me you know um you know so thanks mom um my father of course Dave Dog David Nunez um Everything we kind of do, like, we do together. You know, I, I, I make a joke on stage about how, like, you know, other dads bond with their sons by, like, playing catch in the back in the backyard. We bond by, like, hey, does this dick joke work? Like, I mean, we started doing stand-up together. We started podcasting together. We, all these things we have, we do together. And... I feel lucky because, I mean, he has a thing, a different thing that he bonds with all of me and all my brothers in different ways, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of shit that I did when I was a teenager and as all teenagers do, um, I was very resentful and very shitty, uh, in the very beginning of my teenage years. So now as an adult to have these experiences with him like god damn it alright so you know, when you listen to an episode of a podcast with my dad and I you know I just listen to people have a conversation that's that's the equivalent of watching a father and son throw a catch to each other. And we get excited. Like, we don't always do it. Every single time I come over to the house, he's like, we get a podcast? We get a podcast? Either he's saying it or I'm saying it. And I'd say maybe half the time we actually do one, you know? Um, but it's always a good time. It's always fun. And it's, it's a fun way to kind of learn about each other. Because, you know, on my dad's side, we're not the most... Like, god damn it. Hold on. We're not the most, uh, emotionally vocal people. You know, we don't say I love you. Like, I think the last time I heard him say that he loved me was on a podcast. I wasn't on. And he talked about, he's like, well, I love him. Oh, no, it was my birthday. He put a Facebook post and he says, I love this guy. I love you. And I was like, what the fuck? It blew my mind. But that I love you, I can coast off of that for at least till my next birthday, you know. I mean, it's implied. It's like it's like a that's like I said, that's our love language is like him being like, hey, let's do this. So the second like I always want to say yes, because, you know, like I said, we're all mortal. Who knows? You know, you don't want to think like that, but I do think like that. So if my dad wants to do something with me. Hell yeah. Like, even if I don't necessarily want to do it, like, of course I'm going to do it. 
you know. We're very much alike. If we even took a, a personality test, like very in-depth personality test, and we both got the same exact thing. Uh, we're both uh, ENTP, whatever what they call the debater, the devil's advocate, because we both like to kind of fuck with people. And But that's helped me, though, a lot in learning, uh, seeing both sides of an argument and finding the, uh, not the happy medium, but like, it's easy it's better for me in my opinion i think it's better to see where people are coming from because then it's you cut down you cut out a lot of arguments that way because a lot of times when somebody's saying something you don't agree with the first the first instinct is to get defensive and want to fight back right away but if you can really listen and then be like okay i understand why you feel like that then it's easier for you to respond in a way that's not combative and that's um, something that I've learned, uh, I mean, dealing with him a lot, you know. <clears throat> you know, I don't know what they think of me, you know. Sometimes I feel like they think I'm a fucking idiot. I think sometimes they feel like they think I'm really stupid. You know, I hope they don't. But, yeah, I just want them to know that I do think about these things constantly. I know people think that I don't think. People are always like, why don't you think? The thing is, I'm always thinking. I think too much. And then when it comes time to make a decision, I'm so frazzled and anxiety out, I just kind of go with my gut. And because I see all points, all ways to see things, I end up like, it's harder to make a decision. Because, like, let's say, like, politics, like, if you're a hardcore Trump person... You can just like look at like, well, what do the Republicans think? And then you're just like, you just spew out whatever conservative bullshit is, you know, this is what conservatives think. This is what liberals think. And I agree with this people. Like, you know what I mean? So it's easy. It's better, I think, in my opinion, not just because this is the way I think, but like to see things from every angle and then make a decision. But then see how you feel about it. God damn it. <clears throat> oh, sirens are going. Anyway, back to my dad. Um, I know he's going to listen to this because I do talk about him on this. Um, but I'm, I'm very proud to be his son. And uh, I'll talk about him a lot. I never told him this, but like uh, the very first time I ever did stand up, I was in theater school, and one of the assignments is to write a five minute stand up set. And my entire five minutes was about my dad the entire time. Because to me, as a kid, he was the funniest person in the world. And, uh, you know, of course, he's my dad, he's my hero. So, thanks, Dad. Uh, Celine, my stepmother, she has the hardest job of all. Not only does she have to wrangle us four boys, she has to wrangle my dad as well. Like, it's almost like she has five sons. She has to, and then, it's just, uh, she kind of has to have her hand in everything. Not because I think she doesn't trust us, just because she, that's her way of letting us know that she's there, and that she cares. Like I said, she doesn't have to tell, like, damn it, fucking, I'm getting all emotional and, like, real here, and the damn cops... 
driving by. Anyway, she doesn't always have to say I love you, but her getting involved, she's very hands-on, obviously. She wants to know what's going on in your life. <clears throat> Especially now that I have my kids, you know, she's always asking about the girls. She's very, very, very good with them. They love her, and they're always asking about her. And they're my dad, too. They're, they love my dad so much. Um, I love my mom. They love everybody. They're very lovable kids. They're loud, and they're a handful, but they're very lovable. Um, but, yeah, she has really... Um, she and I, I think, have really gotten close in the past 10 years, you know, and I see her more and more as, you know, uh, like I see more of what she goes through and what she, how she goes, how she goes about things. And I respect it a lot and it's not an easy job. I couldn't do it. Um, so it's just one of those things where, you know, she's very realistic. You know, sometimes, like I said, I see most angles, but she will always find the angle that I'm not looking for. And she'll always find the way that something can turn bad. Like, you know, you think you got everything covered, and she'll be like, wait, what about this? And you're like, oh, fuck, I didn't think about that. She's like, all right, you better prepare for that, because that could happen. So, she's a great person to have in your corner. So thanks, Celine. Um, to my stepfather, Armando, um, he, I call him my stepfather, but him and my mother haven't even been married. They've, they've been divorced for like 10 years, 10 plus years, something like that. But he was there with me a lot when I was a kid and I kind of like my dad and almost like Celine too. Like I didn't, I didn't appreciate them, what they were trying to do at the time. Like most kids, obviously, like what kid is like, I really appreciate what my kids, what my parents are doing for me. Yeah, they grounded me. I get why. I deserve that. No kid ever fucking says that. But now, like, me and him are we're buddies. We hang out a lot. Like, he comes and he takes care of the girls. And, he, he, you know, when I'm at work and he cooks breakfast all the time. And we just, you know, he comes by my work sometimes and I take him out. And we just, you know, it, it's fun. He's very easy to spend time with. And he's very giving. And that's what I learned a lot about that from him. Um, being kind of selfless, he's selfless to, uh, way too selfless for the most part. And like he bends over backwards for people that were like, God damn, dude, don't fucking do that. They're taking advantage of you. But he just, he can't fucking say no, you know? <clears throat> so from him, I learned to be selfless, but also I learned what not to do and learned how to say no, you know, you gotta learn how to say no. And, uh, you know, he's getting better and I'm happy that, you know, right now in his life, at this point in his life, he's kind of looking out for himself for the first time, you know? I mean, yeah, he helps out my sister and I, but, you know, he, um, he, uh, right now he's focused on his own happiness. I'm happy for him. So thank you, Mondo. Um, my brothers, um, Adrian, Julian. Tristan, all great, and all, I mean, I love them all the same, but also, like, like a father was, does with their different kids, you love them all differently, you have, like, a different love for each other, and you, you bond a different way, 
Now, me, Adrian, and Julian, we bond similarly, you know, because we were, and we were all, like, like Tristan's 10. Like, I'm 31, Adrian's 26, Julian's 21, and Tristan is 10. So, it is kind of harder to bond with a kid when you're 31 and he's 10. But, I mean, I think we kind of understand each other. I see, uh, I'll start with him because it's the easiest one. I love that he's always himself. He doesn't know anything about, uh, he has n no shame in the way that, like, he's unapologetically himself. And I hope he keeps that. I hope he never tries to, like, be cool and, like, just fit in with the crowd. Like, I hope he stays the way that he is, like, about himself. Because he never... Yeah, he gets swept up in, like, you know, what the kids think are trends. But, like, if he doesn't like something, he doesn't like something. You know? He, uh, he doesn't know how to not be himself, which is what a lot of people have said about me. So I, I connect with him on that. He probably doesn't connect with me. Uh, he, I mean, he's 10. He doesn't see that. He doesn't understand that yet. But, you know, hopefully, you know, in the later years he does. Um, Julian, like I said before, he... Uh, He's very introspective. He's, out of all of us, he's the most put together, I think. I think, you know, growing up, we he was, we would see him, me and Adrian would see him get babied a lot, so it kind of made us annoyed. But then, like, shit, maybe babying your kid works, because out of all of us, he seems to have the most stable future, you know? So, good for him, and I'm, I'm very proud of him. I'm so proud of him. Like, he's, um, he's 21, and he's, you know... He's got a better head on his shoulders than I did when I was 21. Literally from the time I was a teenager, shit, up until last year. All I wanted to do was party and get laid. Like the second I got with, I found girls and I found successful girls. I, I, people ask me like, you know, you're a short fat dude. Like how do you, how do you, how are you good with women? And I'm like, it's because I put so much energy into it. Because it can, and it's like, how are you good at video games? It's like, yeah, because I sit in my room and I play video games. I was like, yeah, but that's constantly thinking about women. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or I'm thinking about partying, or like, I just want to go out and party and socialize and, and hopefully get laid at the end of the night. That's where I put my energy, especially in my early 20s. And then I ended up, you know, meeting my ex wife and settling down or trying to at least. <sighs> you know, things don't always turn out the way you plan, but. You know, I had to go through that to get to where I am now. Anyway, uh, getting short on time here. Adrian, my quiet brother, he is very much like me in a way, but we're opposites. He is the Daniel LaRusso to my Johnny Lawrence. He's the, you know, he's the Miyagi-Do to my Cobra Kai. We need each other. We do. Um, I love him very much. Out of all of them, I spent, you know, obviously since he's the closest in age, I spent the most time with him. But I'm proud of him too because he went through some shit this year and now he's he's doing a lot better than I thought he would have a couple of years ago. So I'm proud of him. Um, coming up, you know, talking more family. Obviously, I got to end it on my kids. Well, first, let me talk about my sister. My sister, I wasn't there for a lot of her childhood because when I was 15, I moved with my mom. So I'm when she was she was like... She was a kid. She was little. She was like in first grade when I left. So we didn't spend a lot of time together. 
And then in 2008, I moved in with her. Me and her have an apartment. We've lived together ever since. She had a baby. She's got another one on the way. Her nephew, my nephew, her son is like, he loves me so much. And we get along. Like, he'll just chill with me on the, on, on, on the couch. And she'll be like, he never does that with me. <clears throat> but she's a ride or die. I remember, like, one day I was, one night, this is a couple of years ago, like, I was drunk, and it was, like, 4 a.m., and I'm on this rabbit hole of watching, like, sad YouTube videos of, like, soldiers coming home and seeing their families and shit like that. Like, you know, I was missing my kids. I was like, it was just crying. And she comes out of her room. It's 4.30 in the morning. She's like, who did it? Who hurt you? Who the fuck do I got to beat up? You know? And that's who she is. She's fucking awesome. And, you know, we may fight. We may not see things eye to eye, but... God damn it, she's somebody that I can always talk to. Um, and then, of course, my kids, Layla and Talia, who are in my life. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to do a bigger episode on what on being a dad, but I just want them to know that I never forget about them. And without them, I would have never, ever made it through this year. You know, I spent, I, I kind of fumbled the ball being a single dad in the beginning of the separation, beginning of the divorce, but... I, the main thing that I'm proud of myself of this year is how I kind of turned that around. And right now they're in my bed. They're asleep right now. I've had them since the beginning of November. And a couple of years ago, I could have never had them for that long on my own. They humbled that along with me being humbled from work. That made me so much stronger this year. And I'm happy for it. And uh, all right, guys, well, um, I got to get out of here because this thing is beeping telling me that I'm running out of time but um I'm proud of the progress that I've made in 2020 you know it's been a hard year I'm gonna post this as soon as I possibly as soon as I fucking figure it out because I suck at technology but um please you know reach out to me people who listen people who know me listen to it um tell me what you're proud of tell me what you've what, what have you achieved and we'll talk about it I'll carve out a little, I'll, I'll be better, more strict with my notes next time and, and, uh, better with time. But, um, yeah, thanks everybody. Um, this has been what's good. And, uh, so this is usually like, if I had the money to buy the song, I'd be like, tell me something good, but I don't have the money to get the rights to that song. So everyone goodbye.